0: Everybody. Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Zach.
1: And I'm Seth.
0: We're the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's
1: right, we are the Classic Gaming Brothers.
0: That's right, we are the Classic Gaming Brothers.
1: That's right.
0: Ah, that's right.
1: Alright, well, that was the show. Our outro music is really great.
0: I mean, our outro music is the same as our intro music, it's just a later part of the song.
1: So, anyway, welcome back to another episode. Hopefully- Where, Where'd they
0: go? Welcome back.
1: Welcome back. I don't know, whatever they do during the week, but they're not listening to us, which is assumption that everybody listens on Sunday, which is not true.
0: I have problems with object permanence, so when people don't uh, listen to the podcast, I just assume they don't exist.
1: <laughs> See, I have the same thing, except it's, it's like stuff in my fridge. <laughs> or cupboards. or pretty much just anything that's not (laughs) displayed but uh anyway we're not here to talk about object permanencies we're here to in fact talk about video games and what we've been recently been playing so zach what have you recently played
0: seth recently i played a game called sonic 3c delta uh, which is actually a hack of sonic 3 and knuckles Ooh. by a developer named Chainspike who uh, submitted this hack as part of the 2021 Sonic Hacking Contest, which actually just finished today, the release of this episode. Not uh, today, the recording of this episode. Today, the release of the episode this Sunday. The Sonic Hacking Contest is a competition of fans who get together and they submit, as the name implies, hacks of Sonic games. Included in this are also mods of Sonic Man- or Sonic Adventure or um, the Sonic game that came out for the Xbox 360, Sonic 06, but most popular, I think, are the ROM hacks for Sega Genesis games. And that's what Sonic 3C Delta is. So Sonic 3C Delta is actually a compilation of early unused content for Sonic the Hedgehog 3, including some early music, level layout, graphics, concepts, and other things that were eventually cut from the game incorporated into the full version of Sonic 3, not Sonic 3 and Knuckles but sonic 3 so this hack currently has all of the zones that were in sonic 3 and that includes flying battery which was originally cut from sonic 3 and moved to sonic and knuckles so it does include flying battery back in its original place in the smack dab middle of sonic 3
1: flying battery the zone where it's like the other zone from sonic 2
0: yeah it's a lot like wings fortress zone but um actually sonic mania combines wing fortress with flying battery yeah it's a pretty good hack and i'd recommend anyone who's interested in sonic hacks to check out the sonic hacking contest it's available all these all these hacks are available for free pretty much all of them run in your standard genesis emulator if it's a genesis hack so fusion Kega blast them and if you have a everdrive you could actually load them onto an sd card and play them onto real hardware at least most of them will work on real hardware anyway yeah so check out sonic 3c delta by chainspike and also the plenty of people who are streaming uh sonic hacks during the sonic hacking contest such as uh ssg infinite sonic he's a friend of the podcast who has been streaming some of the games from the sonic hacking contest on his twitch i don't know if he's like streaming anytime upcoming as release of this episode but i'm Sure, he has some VODs available that you can check out some of the games that were available. So it's Sonic 3C Delta by Chainspike. What about you, Seth?
1: I have also been playing a hack of an old game. I've been playing Mario 64 Render 96.
0: That That's so many letters and words. <laughs> that's
1: a lot of numbers. So uh, Render 96 is a hack of Mario 64 that's essentially high defing the game, I guess. It's making the game high definition by taking all the textures and making them not very low resolution and bringing them up to a better resolution, or higher resolution, not necessarily better, as Zach does not particularly like the Render 96 graphics, but that's his own opinion, and it's wrong, but anyway. They also did modeling for all of the characters, so they remodeled, like, Bowser, Peach, Mario himself, so they have, like, a high-definition model in a high-definition world. It took a little bit of time to get it to work. I watched a YouTube video. I honestly don't remember who I watched, I just Googled like Mario 64 Render 96 help or something like that. And there was a video that showed me how to do it. It involves a compiler. And you compile essentially the mods that you want into a uh, a legally obtained copy of a Mario 64 ROM, which are definitely not available everywhere. And actually the compiler that I used, you don't even need an emulator. So you just double click the icon and it just runs without doing anything.
0: Yeah, so I mean, just a cool thing. I'm um, not to cut Seth off, but the reason it doesn't use an emulator is because the compiling is actually building a PC port of Mario 64. It's using some tools that were developed by a team separate from Render96, and they pretty much found a way to decompile Super Mario 64 completely and then recompile it as a standalone executable that can be run completely without emulation. So it's not it doesn't even build an emulator. It is running on your computer. It it is a computer version, a PC port of Super Mario 64. Which is kind
1: of cool. And what's cool about the compilers, you can pick different mods. So if you wanted to play like Wario instead of Mario, you can do that. There's a huge modding community behind the game because obviously the game is a very important and prominent and nostalgic game for a lot of people. So there's a huge community that still mods for it. There is like a mod that you can have it be like an EA game where you have to unlock everything with coins which i thought was hilarious the render 96 version is is i i think a, a cool way to re-enjoy mario 64 i was playing some of the beginning worlds i went to a bomb battlefield and then the i, well, I was doing cool cool mountain and i had uh I, I brought the penguin all the way back to its parent instead of uh throwing it off the map which is
0: That's nice of
1: you. And if you are interested in Super Mario 64, we talk about it back in episode 50. So head on back through the time capsule and uh, check out episode 50, where we talk about Super Mario 64. We don't actually talk about Render 96, but now I'm talking about it now in the future or the past or the current state anyway that's what i've been recently playing
0: exciting yeah
1: i think so too we're staying with kind of a classic game as well
0: i think so because today we're talking about a game called arcanum of steamworks and magic obscura which is a very long title arcanum of steamworks and magic obscura now arcanum of steamworks and magic obscura which i'm just going to call arcanum i think (laughs) yeah we're going to
1: call arcanum going forward unless it's fun to say at one point in time
0: arcanum is a a game that seth is familiar with with. I'm not as familiar with Arcanum. I'm kind of familiar with it in the sense that I definitely remember seeing the box art.
1: I can go over my memories of Arcanum. So Arcanum came out in 2001 so we were still being schooled and I had a classmate who really loved Arcanum. Now mind you there were some other games that were coming out in 2001 and 2000 like the Baldur's Gate series, which were also a computer role-playing game that, in my opinion, were very cool and interesting because they were D&D related, and I like D&D, so those were the games that I wanted to play. So I wasn't really broadening my horizons with playing like this Arcanum game. This classmate of mine, he's like, oh, dude, I love this game. I'm like, why? He's like, oh, they got like, it's like steampunk and magic, and I'm like, why didn't you just play Baldur's Gate? Like, that was like my answer when I was a child. And then Uh, I got older and was like, oh, what was this game? Like this game was so weird and uh, kind of passed me by and I uh, checked it out and I've played it and I have played it since and it's actually done by people that I really enjoy like as developers and have played other products of theirs and we'll get into who they were. But uh, it's a fun, unique game. It can be a little tough, especially since it's like computer role playing games of that era can be difficult they generally can be not as conducive on how to progress forward in the story and you can stumble into places where your character could be out leveled and you can die immediately that's very similar to stuff that can happen in Baldur's gate it can happen in fallout it can happen in arcanum and it can happen in real life you don't want to head to a place that's out leveled you (laughs) that's right
0: like if you're a baby and you walk into a business you're instantly out leveled
1: (laughs) that's right and then the ceo fights you (laughs) yeah (laughs) and, and throws like stacks of paper at you that's like fired fired fired
0: so yeah I don't really have memories of Arcanum of Steamworks and Magic Obscura um I for some reason do remember seeing like the box art now that I'm thinking about it I think I either saw it in a store or I might have had a friend who had it because I did have a friend who was interested also in games like Baldur's Gate and stuff so I definitely remember seeing the box art like when Seth said we're going to do this game. I looked it up and I was like, oh yeah, that looks all real familiar.
1: I just want to describe the box art real quick since we've mentioned it a couple of times. Uh, So on the cover of the box art, the box art is essentially the background is like a sepia color and there's like a cutout of a cog. In the foreground, you see this like elven woman's face with, there's like a tattoo pattern going up and then going across her face and it's the same tattoo. And then there is a zeppelin to the left of her head and like a fortress to the right of her head in the back background and then in the foreground in front of her there's like a dwarf some manner of like magician and a train (laughs) the name arcanum is stamped with like a steel riveted text and Uh then the of steamworks and magic obscura is a tagline underneath yeah they have the troika symbol and the which the troika symbol is like like a dude changing a railroad switch and then there's the sierra symbol which is obviously just Sierra.
0: Arcanum is a role-playing game that was developed by Troika Games and was published by our best friends, Sierra Online. It has the distinction of being the first game that was developed by Troika, who would later go on to make two additional games in the role-playing genre, and then they closed.
1: Troika was uh, a development studio that, as Zach said, they made three video games. But they were some heavy hitters, even back when they were founded, back in 1998. Troika was founded by Tim Kane, Leonard Boyarski, and Jason Anderson. And if these names sound familiar, you should, because they were all key people who worked on the original Fallout, which we talked about in episode 87, because they all worked at Interplay and made Fallout. Uh, Leonard B- Boyarsky was actually the designer and Tim Kane was the programmer. So... In 1997, Tim, Leonard, and Jason left Interplay due to disagreements with the overall company of Interplay. They were talking about sequels, and they didn't really agree with how, what the direction of Fall was going in, and they were like, you know what, we're just going to go, and we're going to go do our own thing. So they left, and they formed Troika the following year. Troika is actually Russian for three of any kind, mostly playing on the fact that it was Tim, Leonard, and Jason. In their very short life, they released three impressive role-playing games. These games were Vampire Bloodlines, The Temple of Elemental Evil, and their first game, Arcanum, of Steamworks and Magic Obscura. And to be honest, each one of their games could probably get an episode in their own right. Vampire Bloodlines is probably one of the greatest RPGs that someone can play if they're into that gothic setting. Like, there is not a lot of vampire video games based on the White Wolf Vampire the Masquerade role-playing system. There's not a lot Uh of video games based on it, but Bloodlines does an amazing job at capturing that setting. So amazing that they've been trying to get Bloodlines 2 off <laughs> to get it going. And uh, it's they're having difficulty. But Vampire Bloodlines came from Troika, uh, a very small, short-lived development house.
0: So how did this game come around? According to Tim Kane, they were always going to make an RPG. And, and Tim really wanted to make a fantasy RPG. However, at the time, there was a ton of fantasy RPGs out there. Baldur's Gate, Ultima, Might and Magic, Return to Crondor. Uh, Those are just a few of the many, many fantasy RPGs that were already available and already fairly popular. These fantasy settings were set mostly in like a 14th century or like around that time period. Um, Very Dungeon and Dragons-y. However, Leonard proposed setting the new RPG in the 18th century and incorporating technology into the game. So kind of shifting that whole fantasy element from being a medieval setting to being a... Slightly more, I don't want to say modern, but... It's an industrial revolution. In, industrial revolution setting. They eventually ended up with a blend of the 18th and 19th century technology and then overlaid magic to create a world that blended the two ideas, technology and magic. Thus, Arcanum of Steamworks, technology, and magic, obscura
1: now the name of the game arcanum is actually the name of the continent that you will the player explore throughout the game the world of arcanum is an homage to very tolkien type realms where there are humans elves dwarves gnomes halflings orcs ogres goblins hybrids of Half orcs and half ogres. Though instead of, as Zack explained, in the middle of fantasy, it's in the middle of the Industrial Revolution. Technology is spreading throughout the world of Arcanum, and the mages who harness magic are hesitant about adopting this technology. And that is because technology and magic in Arcanum is mutually exclusive. Magic will fail around technology, and technology will fail around magic depending on whichever is more powerful. So if there's a powerful magic going on, then the like steam engine might fail. But if there's a powerful steam engine, then the spell might fizzle. It's a, a very unique setting and different than what was out in the market at the time. Now, it all begins as all steampunk adventures should on a Zeppelin. Nice. And <laughs> it's called the... IFS Zephyr, and you're out on its inaugural journey, its first ever voyage out. And during this voyage, these two half-orcs flying what could be like Wright Brother airplanes on steroids come and shoot down the Zeppelin. Your character is on the Zeppelin for some reason or another, but you survive the crash of the Zeppelin, and you wander among the wreckage, and you find the this old gnome who i believe is the pilot who gives a silver ring to you and tells you to bring it to quote the boy unquote then he does what all good plot devices do he dies you as the player are not scathed from falling from a giant zeppelin crash and you are in fact approached the your very first as soon as the cinematic ends you enter into a conversation with a character named Virgil. And Virgil is a member of this faith, the Inari, who believe that you are, quote, the living one, unquote, who is important in their faith. He believes that you are essentially divine, but he also tells you that he's really new to the religion. So he's probably not the best one to get, because you ask him, like, what do you mean I'm the living one? Like, what does this mean? And he's trying to explain it, but he's like all over the place and he's essentially just like i don't know i just know you survived and now you're this holy reincarnation of this person and you're just like dude i just had this gnome give me this ring i don't even know what i'm doing and he's like well we maybe we should go talk to this elder person the game just goes from there you have to figure out what's going on with why this guy virgil thinks you're the living one, why you have this ring, where should this ring go? Uh, Eventually people will try to assassinate you and you have to figure out why there's people just trying to kill you and overall unpeeling the layers of the game and finding out who the big bad of the world is and stopping them from committing their big bad Actions. So it's a a fun role playing game, as it were. It's a fun game.
0: So the game unfolds in a non linear fashion. The game doesn't really hold the player's hand, nor do quests have to be completed in any particular order. Side quests are abound, and the player can go down plenty of rabbit holes of distraction while playing through Arcanum. The player does have to navigate between the way the world is split between magic and technology, and how the player favors one or the other will have an impact on how the game plays out. Couple that conflict with the standard moral conflict of good versus evil, and this game has plenty. Of replayability since these decisions will impact the game the overall ending and even how people will react within the game throughout the game you do get different companions um, and these companions do depend on how the player will align themselves so uh, some companions might be more aligned toward you having good nature um, some companions might be more aligned to you being a jerk so yeah it, it's definitely a game that has uh, a branching paths that you can you can follow now a fun feature of the game is that the game is beatable both in a pacifist run or in a what you might call a genocide run Uh, so uh, a pacifist run being you don't cause any harm to anyone and a genocide run being you kill everyone who goes near you and and there's so many in-betweens here so you can do a straight pacifist run or you can do a you know pacifist run plus a little bit of murder (laughs) really it depends on how you play in fact you can actually kill this character, Virgil, who's the very first character you encounter and you can kill plot-critical NPCs, which I don't think I've ever heard of a role-playing game allowing you to kill plot-critical NPCs. Even games that strive themselves on just how broad and expansive the world is. I mean, I know Elder Scrolls certainly tries to say that there are these expansive worlds will ultimately not let you kill a plot-critical NPC. In Arcanum, if the plot-critical NPC Is killed, the information they needed to convey to you will just be dropped as like a journal, which is great. I mean, it's just, I'm really happy to know that everyone in the world contains the necessary information for life written down on a piece of paper. On the other hand, uh, you can avoid combat entirely. Uh, including being able to beat the final boss without using any violence.
1: Uh, It's very difficult to defeat the final boss without any violence, but it is doable. Arkadim itself is a CRPG, we've mentioned this a few times, which is a computer role-playing game uh, that has a isometric view The game is designed in a custom engine that was built specifically for Arcanum, though it is very similar to what the original Fallout engine looks like because the people who made Fallout made Arcanum. (laughs) So they kind of just used stuff that they were familiar with. You're going to feel Fallout... When you play Arcanum, 100% in regards to like character creation and um, the actual, like the window, as it were, that you see, you go through the world and you talk to everybody and you work on leveling up as a traditional role playing game. You can decide to specialize in magic, technology, or kind of walk down a middle of the road type road. Combat is also can be real time, uh, turn based, or in a fast turn-based mode there has been updates to the combat there are some mods that you should probably install to update the game to a modern era a lot of these older 90s type games especially if they have a, a big community behind them do get modifications that allow you to play them on newer systems and being able to kind of give like widescreen patches and stuff like that. Natively, Arcanum runs pretty good out of the box using like a a good old games launcher. Uh, However, there are some mods that you may want to put in that can change the combat from the original combat since the original combat can be a little poorly optimized. The game also has some really extensive character creation where you can choose many aspects of your character, including the character's race, attributes, technological skills, magical attributes, and background traits. Uh you don't get a lot of points in the beginning to really build out a really awesome character. You kind of lay down the foundation of where you want to go and then through leveling you can get up to where, you know, where you want you envision your character to be. And every level you can enhance your skills and traits. It is a, like a point for point system, so you can either give yourself more of a attribute or you can give yourself the ability to shoot a gun better. The stats are divided up into eight ways. Uh, Strength, dexterity, constitution, beauty, intelligence, perception, wisdom, and charisma. Within the game, there's also these like background traits and they are, some of them are pretty funny. Uh, You can have one where like you were raised by snake charmers or you were an arsonist or you were an escaped lunatic who somehow snuck aboard the Zeppelin, and your character gets positive and negative things from either thing, from the background. You can also decide not to have a background, but who wouldn't want to play with a background? Especially, you can have like son of a blacksmith, or my character, a character by the name of Barney Figglesworth III, was a ladies' man, so he had a lot of beauty but because he was a ladies man he was kind of like very prissy so he didn't had a penalty to his strength his decks and his con so I gave him a pistol and I just pictured him as kind of like a fancy noble I mean with a name like Barney Figglesworth the third you would expect him to be a fancier nobleman I'm not sure if he's going to be evil or good yet but he's probably going to go down technology because he likes pistols. To talk about the the numbers, the game sold incredibly well. Uh, for the first few weeks after it was released in 2001, it remained in the number four and number five spots for the best-selling computer game. Uh, the game finally exited the weekly charts in in September, but uh, remained the number 11 best-selling computer game through that month. And by November of 2001, it had sold uh, 69,552. Two units. Ultimately, the game would sell 234,000 units and drew revenues of $8.8 million by 2005. It was then also released to Steam in 2010, where they picked up like 100,000 more units once it came to Steam. Despite those sales, Troika would go on to make two more video games, as we discussed, and unfortunately, they would go defunct in February of 2005. They really had trouble. Troika had an underlying issue. You with and we might maybe we might do a deep dive on Troika one day. Maybe do an episode on Vampire Bloodlines and then do an episode on Temple of Elemental Evil and Troika and really talk about kind of like what happened to Troika because part of I feel like what happened to Troika had issues with getting like a consistent publisher. They developed three video games and they were all published under three different publishers and they could not stick to a single publishing house and if you don't have that publisher relationship you lose a lot of funding that you can get from those publishers who take care of a lot of the marketing and getting the product actually sold. Tim Kane would uh, move on and he would go to become the director of Carbine Studios and work on a fantasy MMO game for the developer of NCSoft, but he would eventually leave his position in 2011 to go work for Obsidian as a senior programmer, where also Leonard Boyarski has gone to and works for Obsidian as a designer. And also, let me tell you something else, Jason Anderson went to go work for In Exile who worked on Wasteland 2 and 3. So, Jason Anderson went off to go work for an Exile, Tim Kane and Leonard Boyarski went off to work for Obsidian, and they've all been purchased by Microsoft. So, they're all colleagues again because <laughs> they all work for Microsoft. So, that's fun. Maybe we'll see something come back from I don't know. I think Arcanum deserves a uh, time to shine again. It's a fun setting. It's definitely unique it'll kind of reminds me of it re- kind of reminds me of like warcraft 2 technology a little bit with like the pilot like the gnomes and the gyrocopters or the dwarves and the gyrocopters or whatever
0: yeah 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 warcraft 3 also has kind of i think a bit more leans into the steampunk aesthetic mm-hmm
1: If you're looking for a fun computer role-playing game that has a unique setting and a fun story, give Arcanum a try. Uh, It's available on good old games and Steam and works pretty well out of the box, though there are some uh, fan mods out there that help uh, create a better uh, user experience, uh, depending on what you're in the mood for. And so with that, that's going to be our Arcanum episode. Zach, we're going to move into our buy-weight path.
0: This is the part of the show where we buy weight Or pass on something, Seth?
1: That's correct.
0: I like this part of the show. So the game that I'm excited about by waiting or passing on is called Disney Classic Games Collection. Disney Classic Games Collection also has a long title, very similar to Arcanum, <laughs> is a collection of three titles from the archives of, of Disney's vault of video games, I guess you could you could say. Uh, and These titles are Aladdin, The Jungle Book, and The Lion King. It contains both the Super Nintendo and the Genesis versions of each game. Funny enough, they are labeled Console N for Super Nintendo and Console S Yes for sega genesis um and like all the ads for the commercial because they couldn't use nintendo and sega um which i think is hilarious this collection also contains the japanese version of uh the genesis versions for uh, aladdin and jungle book and also contains the game boy and game boy color versions of all three titles with the exception of jungle book which only had a game boy title not a game boy color title so yeah you're getting a mess of games there you're getting aladdin for sega aladdin for super nintendo game boy game boy color lion king sega super nintendo game boy game boy Color, jungle book for sega super nintendo and game boy Uh, that is a ton of games right there Um, and then you also have a ton of extra features like I mentioned you have the Japanese version of Aladdin and uh, there's also a final cut version of Aladdin uh, for the Sega Genesis which will have some new stages and bosses I think this is very very cool for someone who might really like these games or uh, might really like Disney games in particular I personally grew up playing the Aladdin game for the Sega Genesis which is very different by the way than the Aladdin game for the Super Nintendo they are two entirely different games but i have always been fond of the sega genesis version of aladdin because that was the version that seth and i had but i'm really not that familiar with the other games like i'm not that familiar with the the, i have a copy of lion king but It's, you know, I I got that later in life and I've never played the Jungle Book game. So I don't know if I am necessarily the person who wants to buy this game. I mean, I love retro games, but at the same time, if I want to play a retro game, often I'll just try to find that game either physically or other means. But I don't know. It's like, it's very cool, but is it the collection I want is the question. So I'm going to hold off on saying whether or not I'm going to buy it, but I will say that it's due out november 9th 2021 so i will put it down as a wait. though as a fun fact the super nintendo version of aladdin was actually designed by shinji makami who created resident evil so that's pretty fun
1: that is fun
0: yeah um but yeah that's disney classic games collection now this isn't to be confused with the previous collection of disney games that has been released there was a collection of games that just contained the sega versions of lion king and aladdin If you already own that version... You can actually upgrade it to this version for like $10, I think. So
1: the uh, game that I'm excited about buying, waiting, or passing on is a game called Spellcaster University. It actually came out June 15th of 2021, where you develop a school for mages, where you build rooms, train students, fight Oryx, fight off bureaucrats, and you uh, manage your budget for your university. And it looks like a, a fun almost dungeon keeper type game except instead of looking at a dungeon from above it's a sideways cross section of a school so i think it's kind of cool but it has like all the people running around there is also like a card game element in it i am intrigued by the screenshots and the gameplay video i may talk to my friend who owns it already to see how they enjoy it but uh, ultimately i think i'm going to put it down as a wait but But it does look like a pretty cool game developed by Sneaky Yak Studio. And looking up, it looks like the game may have come out earlier. It looks like it actually came out back in September, but it's just now recently on Steam. But yeah, so that is uh, Spellcaster University.
0: That will do it for our episode. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Now, if you are interested in reaching out to us because you have any questions about Arcanum or maybe uh, you want to tell Seth how much you love the name Barney Figglesworth III, then what you need to do is you need to reach out to the classic Kaming brothers via our email or our contact form. So if you go to our website right now, classicgamingbrothers.com, you can go to our contact form and fill out the information on that form, which will send a email to us. Now that email goes to classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com. That's right. So if you want to reach out to us via email, you can also just email us without going to the contact form. Honestly, either way is a great way to reach out to us. It all goes to the same place, which is uh, what people say when they eat two different things that do not go together like dessert and pizza at the same time they go it all goes to the same place that's what our email does it all goes to the stomach so now be sure to reach out to us if you do reach out to us uh you'll have a uh, chance to win a free video game which we want to remind everyone that that is an opportunity that you can get uh, you'll be entered into a random drawing where at some point we will draw a name from a hat and then you will be uh, kabam, uh, in in possession of a free video game. So that's very cool. Now let's say you don't feel like emailing us. Maybe you're one of those modern people who likes to uh, use the social media as they call it then uh we are available on facebook instagram twitter uh our facebook and instagram our classic gaming brothers our twitter is CG Brothers pod we're also available on twitch twitch.tv forward slash classic gaming brothers now you can follow us on all those platforms you can follow us on instagram twitter uh, you can follow us on twitch if you follow us on facebook though want to hear a cool fact you can listen to us if you follow us on facebook that's right because one of the places you can listen to us now is facebook in fact you can actually listen to us on pretty much every apple location out there we're available on Podbean. we're available on spotify we're available on amazon we're available on facebook so be sure to listen to us anywhere you feel comfortable and of course if we're not somewhere that you want us to be email us and that's that's how you can reach out to us look at that listening to us and contacting us are great ways that you can support us in terms of supporting us seth and i like to say that you being there is support enough honestly the best way that you can support us is let us know that you're there we want to know that you're there so uh you know like ring bells follow do all the things that you can do to let us know that you're a fan of this podcast or that you like listening to us tell three friends and be sure to rate us on any of the podcasting applications out there so you can uh, follow us on podbean you can rate us on itunes do all the things that you need to do to let us know that you love the classic gaming brothers and you want to keep hearing us talk about games that you might have never heard of or that you might have heard of and we talk about them incorrectly so uh either one let us know and we'll be happy to hear from you. We also have a store available. Um, You can buy some of our t-shirts and uh, we have a couple of uh, new designs on there as well as a mug. So pick up those things if you like wearing clothing or drinking warm liquids. Lastly, as a reminder, and we're going to be promoting this kind of, I don't want to say heavily, but we will be promoting this up until the day. Uh, Seth and I will be at Retro World Expo in the first weekend of November. So it's November 6th and 7th. We're going to be there. If you are at Retro World Expo, uh, we look forward to um, hopefully seeing you. Be sure to say hi if you see us walking around with our faces on our on our bodies because we're going to be wearing our, our logo. We'll, of course, say hi and uh, we'll be there if you want to chat about video games or, or anything like that. We're also planning to do Extra Life at some point in November. I don't know know if we're looking to do it the weekend after, but we are planning to do Extra Life. Extra Life falls on the same weekend as Retro World Expo does this year, so Seth and I unfortunately can't do it on game day. But, I mean, Extra Life is kind of a broad thing. You can do it really whenever, so we're going to honor Extra Life by doing it a different weekend in November. We're still in the planning phase of that. Once we have a little bit more concrete details on that, we will let you know. And that's everything. That is everything that I can think of at the top of my head right now. Seth, do you got anything?
1: Don't play games like my brother.
0: And don't play games like my brother. I've been Zach. And I've been Seth. We have been the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's
1: right. Barney Ficklesworth the Third.
0: Barney Ficklesworth the Third.